Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Sunday at Heartway. I'm so grateful that each and every one of you are here, especially today, because I have a special guest that I will be interviewing, and we're going to have a soul care conversation. I know a lot of us talk about self-care. We're going to pivot a little bit and focus on soul care. And I'm going to be interviewing a priest, because why not? Right, this is Heartway. We've had rabbis, we've had imams, and today we're going to have a priest because I love to embody a kind of faith that is open to uh, difference and distinction. So, for those of us who consider ourselves Christian within Christianity, this is a really big, big family, and not every church looks the same. Not every denomination believes the same. And so I like to expose uh, each and every one of you to the wonderful array of difference and distinction within the body of Christ. Not just Christianity, but also every path, every religion, every tradition. But today, uh, we're going to have my friend who is a priest. And I oftentimes make a distinction between religion and spirituality just so that you know, we can show our uniqueness and more clearly describe who we are and who we are not. But what I love about my brother that you're going to meet today is that he kind of embodies what it means to be both religious and spiritual, right? I use the language a lot of spiritual but not religious, so people don't lump us into this category that we don't belong in. But ideally, for a lot of people, religion means something very deep. And it is possible to be both religious and spiritual. And my friend, my brother embodies this. And so I'm looking forward to hearing from him and for you guys to listen to what he has to say. So please help me welcome to the stage Father Michael Calderon. There he is. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Let me see. Let me see if this works. I think works it's for working. Oh, is it working? It? All right. Good. Let me give you a hug. What's up, brother? I clearly have a drinking problem. <laughs> Welcome to Heartway, man. First impressions so far? I love it. What an amazing worship team. And thank you, Gabby, for the mindfulness meditation, because that really helped us get centered. The worship team did an amazing job. Yeah, they I did. Mean, always, 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 gotta always. Got to give them another round of applause. Um, if you couldn't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, 
we need to talk. <laughs> because that worship team really brought the Holy Spirit in here, and, and you could really, really feel it. You could feel it in every part of your body. Mm. At least I know I could. I love it. And I could have I listened to them all day. Me too. Me too. All day. In fact, I was sitting there, and I'm like, how could I accommodate my schedule so I could be here on Sunday? <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so tell everybody a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. I want them to hear about your calling into ministry, if you want to share a little bit about that, because I don't meet people every day who just wake up and decide to be a priest or a minister or a pastor. So share a little bit. Yeah, and, and you know, um, you'll often hear, particularly, you know, if, if anyone has, has been in recovery, you'll hear a term that says religion is for those who are afraid to go to hell and spirituality is for those who've been there, right? And here we have a combination, right? Because um, as Danny mentioned earlier, there, there is a difference between the two, but they do coexist. They definitely coexist, you know, and one has to do with our relationship with our higher power, whomever that, that is who we choose, right, depending on your particular faith. But then there's also the relationship with ourself and believing in ourself. And with the first song that the worship, team, the worship team was singing, what was coming to mind for me was Proverbs 3, 5, trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because that scripture is all about faith. And it's also a reminder to us that we have a limited capacity to understand as human beings. Very limited. Right? And, and Buddhists say that if you're anxious, you're living in the future, and if you're depressed, you're living in the past. Right? And what do we have right now is right now, here, where you are right now. This is what we have. We don't know if we're going to have five minutes from now, but we do know that we have now. You know, and, you know, for me, uh, I grew up in a small city in the Northeast. Maybe you've heard of it, New York City. And, um, you know, it's not easy growing up in New York. And uh, you always had to defend yourself and duke it out sometimes. You know, but that's life. That is life. And I always felt a calling to ministry as, as a young kid. As a young kid, I would go by myself to church on Sunday. Both my parents are alcoholic. Um, they both wound up in recovery, which is a great thing, but there was no way they could make it to church on Sunday. And I would go by myself as a young boy. And I was okay with that because I felt the connection. And, you know, fast forward, my, my first career was in law enforcement. And that morphed into mental health. So I'm going to take you to my mental health days real quick to, to kind of answer your question in terms of how I got here today. And that is, so I was working as a therapist on an inpatient psych unit in New York. 
at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center, which is the teaching hospital uh, for Columbia University, which is now New York Presbyterian. And um, we had a, a patient that was on the inpatient unit. Of course, I can't mention the name, but I'll never forget her, and I'll tell you why. So, you know, back then, if you were anything but Catholic or Jewish, it wasn't normal. And believe it or not, if you were kind of on the evangelical side, they would label you hyper-religious. Yeah. And this patient was labeled hyper-religious. And the psychiatrist said, whatever you do, do not get into a discussion with her about religion. Touch everything else in your counseling sessions, but do not talk about religion. I had a bit of an issue with that. Because it's like, well, if we're saying she's hyper-religious, like we need to understand where she's coming from. But anyway, we had a session, and I was walking to my office, and she stopped me. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, sure. And she said, what are your chances of going to heaven? Now, initially, the red light went off in my head. Because I'm like, okay, the psychiatrist told me not to get into a discussion about religion. But I chose to answer. I can be a little bit of a rebel sometimes. And I said, better than average. And she said, really? I said, yeah. And she said, what do you base your answer on? I'm like, oh boy. She's just sucking me in now. <laughs> but I went with it. And I said, my faith and my lifestyle. And she said, okay. And she walked away. And I went into my office. And for a moment, in a very arrogant egotistical way, I patted myself on the back. I said, man, that was a great answer. And then I was hit with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Bam! Just knocked me out. And the Holy Spirit convicted me in my heart and said, your faith and your lifestyle? You are nowhere near heaven. And for me, that was a turning point. Because it made me reflect on my faith and my lifestyle. Which at that point, I would describe my faith as superficial. And I would describe my lifestyle of not being good enough. And for me, that was the seed that was planted. And it was a spiritual awakening that changed my life. With that one interaction with the person I wasn't supposed to talk to about religion. And it was from that moment forward that my life changed. 
love that. Thank you for sharing. Very nice. And if she's out there, I'd love to say thank you because <laughs> I never got to say thank you to her. Wow. Yeah. So part of what I love about you, like you said, you're a little bit of a rebel. And I've seen you doing events with, like you mentioned, Buddhist monks and people of other, of other religious traditions. How has that impacted you and your journey? How, can you explain the way that you're able to be so rooted in, in your own faith and walk with Jesus, but also kind of be open and charitable with people on different paths? Absolutely. And um, I believe that, you know, the exposure that I've had to other faiths, and I just returned from a three-week trip to Bali, Indonesia, where I had an opportunity to see the most beautiful Hindu temples in the world that were there. Um, and I'd say that each one of the other faiths and, and folks that I come in contact with, whether it was a Hindu priest or a Buddhist monk or an imam, rabbi, etc., they all enhance my journey. You know, Jesus didn't judge people. We judge people. But Jesus didn't do that. Right? Jesus accepted people from all walks of life. And for me, you know, I'm not here to say that my path is the only path or that my path is the only right path. I think there are multiple paths. And, and I think that we can all agree that we're all on this earth together and when I leave this earth, and we all will eventually leave this earth, I want to know that I made an impact on another life. Whether it was one person or a hundred or a thousand, I want to know that I was able to help. Because I feel that each one of us, you don't have to be you know, a clergy or a pastor or anything like that, to be the hand of God. And any time someone is hurting, someone is in pain, someone needs something, we are responsible to extend the hand of God. Okay? So for me, you know, God has blessed me so much, I could never repay God for everything he's done for me. But what I can do is make sure that the next person who may not know God has an opportunity to meet God and that their needs and their wants may be fulfilled through some partnership that I can get them some help. Does that make sense? Okay. Thank you. So you do a lot of things aside from leading a congregation and helping, a, helping lead a congregation. You're also a chaplain. So we have that in common as well. And I'd like for you to share a little bit about what that work entails. And also, you give so much of yourself to other people. How does Michael care for his own soul? Okay. So first, uh, I, I am a police, fire, and hospital chaplain as well. And I deal with first responders and also oversee some victim advocates that are in the community that also deal with victims of crime. So, you know, in that particular capacity, I'm dealing with first responders that um, 
are dealing with traumatic incidents on a daily basis and helping them to cope and, and deal with that and process that. And of course, on the hospital side, when we're doing hospital chaplaincy, as Danny knows, you know, we're often coming across folks that are in end of life stage, you know, palliative care, uh, and it could be a child, it could be an adult, and it, it's quite often helping people to transition out of this world. And, and that's certainly, um, certainly one of the, for me, one of the more sacred things that we do. You know, um, I don't want to say it's difficult or it's challenging because I believe that God gives us the guidance, the wisdom, and the strength to be able to do that. But the self-care part is very important because we can get burnt out very easily. You know, we saw that. Uh, I responded down to the Surfside building collapse uh, with other chaplains. And that was a very tough time, even for chaplains, you know. And um, there are certain things I do on a scene like that, whether it's Surfside or the scene of a homicide or a suicide. I just got called out to a suicide last week. A 73-year-old had committed suicide. Um, and one of the things that I do uh, before I get there is I pray. While I'm there, I pray. And when I leave, I pray. So that's first. But secondly, I also try to protect myself from the exposure. And what, what do I mean by that? Well, if it's a crime scene, I don't necessarily need to look at the crime scene to be able to do my job to help those that have already been exposed. That's just going to create trauma for me. So I'm real careful about protecting myself from that exposure. Um, and, and that's really key. But the other thing is, you know, while we're, we're helping other people, we also need to practice what we preach. And we need to be able to help ourselves. And, and what that means is getting enough rest. I have... Now, some other people have access to my calendar, so I have phantom meetings in my calendar. I'm admitting that to you publicly, okay? I put in bogus meetings in my calendar. Okay, and that's just, that's my time. That is my self-care time. You know, there comes a time when you have to shut it off, you know, put the phone on do not disturb, take a nap, sleep in, you know, um, meditate, and really get centered, you know, uh, spend time with loved ones, right? All the things that, that we tell other people to do, you know. Um, not too long ago, we had breakfast together. And, you know, it's things like that that, that help me because that is part of the self-care. And having people in my life and in my circle that I can use as accountability partners as well, you know, uh, to bounce things off of, to share 
you know, if, if I'm feeling a certain way about something, you know, to help me. Um, and even through the chaplaincy network, through the International Conference of Police Chaplains, we actually have a peer support team. I'm actually a part of it where you can call. I can speak to a chaplain. If I don't want to speak to someone here local, I can call a chaplain in Alaska and talk to that person and vice versa. So, you know, it's, it's really about practicing what we preach and protecting ourselves, protecting our exposure and protecting our soul and protecting our spirit the same way that we tell others. I love that. I think one distinction I would make between self-care and soul care is that soul care involves community. You know, and you mentioned that a lot, having people in your life that you can bounce things off of, that you can process with together. Spiritual community plays such a big role in that because not every environment that we find ourselves in are we able to talk about matters of the soul and bear our soul before others. And when we have to hold it all in and we can't share about the things that matter the most to us, my goodness, that creates a, a huge burden. So to have a space, a community, to have people in your life that you can bring these deeper soul matters and issues to, that goes such a long way in caring for yourself and healing yourself and bringing yourself into a state of peace and, and fulfillment in life. So what are some of the things that you think get in the way of us prioritizing our own soul care? I think... Um and, and that's a really good question because I think sometimes we can get caught up in wanting to help others and then forgetting our own needs, right? That's, that's real common. It's real common where it's like, oh, well, I don't want to disappoint so-and-so, but, you know, I'm not feeling well. But I'm going to go do it anyway because I don't want to disappoint that person. I don't want them to think any less of me, right? Uh, just the other day, uh, I was invited to, a, to an event uh, for Hispanic Heritage. And it had been one of those grueling days. We had the suicide and back-to-back -back shootings in two days. We had shootings. And uh, I was exhausted. And by midday, I said, you know what? Hispanic Heritage event, I'm Latino, I'm proud, but you know what? It's getting deleted off the calendar because I'm going to go home and chill. Don't y'all get any ideas about doing that for our Hispanic Heritage event, okay? Unless you really got to take care of yourself. That's right, that's right, that's right. I'm going to try to be here for October Do 20th, it, yeah. too. You know, so, so it's, just, you know, it's just an example that I was like, you know what? I'm done. I am done for the day. I got no more to give right now. I need to go recharge, right? We gas up our cars, or maybe if you have a Tesla, you charge it. But, you know, I had to, I had to recharge. I had to go home, do some mindfulness meditation, do some reading, do some reflection, and, and just relax. Because those are the things that, that we need to do, you know, um, but I got to tell you, one of the greatest blessings, um, and, you know, this usually happens to me on a trip, but it does happen to me local, too, is meeting a stranger and being able to 
talk to that person, spend a few moments with them, and, and then go your separate ways and reflect on a conversation and say, wow, that person was sent by God because they told me what I needed to hear. And they also gave me an opportunity to give them a message from God. And if that hasn't happened to you yet, it will. Because you just have to stay attuned to the opportunities. You know, in all the busyness of life, with the phones and social media and, you know, et cetera, we get so busy and the noise gets so loud that sometimes we miss the messages that we're supposed to hear. So sometimes we need to slow down. I keep referring to you, Gabby, because you did the exercise with us. Um, we need to slow down and just, just be, right? And I think in one of the songs it was about also kind of being still and knowing that God is there, right? And knowing that we're never alone. We're always walking with God, right? It reminds me of the Footprints poem. Have you all seen that? Where there's two sets of footprints, the man is looking at it, and during the hardest times of his life, there's only one set, and he says to God, why is it that during the hardest times you weren't walking with me? And God says, it is those times that I carried you. That's why there's only one set of footprints, you know. So if you look on your life, I know I'm speaking for myself. I look back on my life through the most hardest times, through the most difficult times. God was there for me. He never left my side. And... It took so many different things in life to push me to hear his message, to push me to connect with him. It's like a defibrillator, you know? Sometimes you need that. And in 2014, I was having some stomach issues. I went to get checked out and turned out to be diverticulitis. Very common. But there was something else that was found. And it was a tumor in my kidney. at stage one cancer. And they said that tumor had been with me for five years. And I had no symptoms. i never forget, I was driving home from the hospital. I was going to meet my family for dinner. And I get a call from the nurse practitioner. And she said... Uh, Mr. Caldron, are you driving? I said, yes. And she said, can you pull over? And she said that. I looked up. I'm like, man, that's not a good sign. <laughs> she wants me to pull over. And she said, you know, you have a tumor. And, um, and it hit me. And I was like, wow. Now, at the time, they didn't know it was cancer. But the, uh, the surgeon said to me, Look, I've been doing this a long time, and I'd say it's an 85% chance that it's malignant, but I'm going to get it out. He said, and I will get it out. 
And, um, and you know, my faith in God, I said, you know, it was a blessing that it was found. Five years, no symptoms. Um, it, had it continued like that, uh, it would have spread, and then I would have been in a very different situation. And a few weeks before my surgery, I had a huge family trip planned to go on a cruise. And people said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going on the cruise. And uh, I said, look, I don't know if God's calling me home. So if this is my last hoorah, I'm going to party. <laughs> and there's... There's photos of me on that cruise smoking a cigar, too. Okay? <laughs> but uh, thankfully, I had the robotic surgery, and the tumor was removed. Um, no radiation or chemo was required. And I continue to go back for checkups every year. But, you know, that was a pivotal time, too, because that was another shock and that was another time that made me reflect on life and made me reprioritize, right? Because that's something that we need to do pretty regularly, right? We may have a priority list, but sometimes we need to change that list, right? And, and as, you, as you continue on your journey and you see friends and, and family leaving this earth, it becomes more real. It really does. And in the past few years, I have lost so many close people to me. And, you know, my initial thought was, God, that person was too young. But I, I know I have to reflect on Proverbs 3, 5 and trust the Lord with all my heart and not try to understand it because there's just some things that are not made to be understood. Wow, that's so powerful. I want to shift and pivot the conversation to not just providing um, ourselves with care, but providing care to others because... The whole purpose of spiritual community is to bear one another's burdens, to care for one another's soul. What I have come to find is that even though some of us have the best of intentions and we want to help the people that we love and those that are closest to us, sometimes the way we go about trying to help them kind of makes things worse. And then we don't understand why this person isn't receptive to us. Because we're coming from a good place and a good intention, but the way we're going about trying to help this individual through their crisis isn't really helping. So what are some of the ways that we can go about walking alongside of others that are not harmful? Well, first and foremost, um, we can't go in with our own agenda. Right, because we look at a person or we talk to a person and we think we know what they need. And that's our first mistake because we don't. Right, so we have to trust the process 
and start wherever they are, right? And quite often, we want to tell people how to do something or tell them what they need instead of asking questions. John, what do you need? How can I help you? Right, because that person probably knows what they need. Now, if they don't, they may say to you, you know what, Danny? I don't know. I don't know what I need. And my response is, well, that's okay, too. It's okay not to know. It's okay not to be okay, you know? And let's try to figure it out together, right? But it is those times that, number one, we need to put our agenda away. Number two, we also need to put judgment away, right? Because it's human nature to judge, very few people have mastered the art of being impartial, right? That is a daily challenge, to be impartial. So for me, it's about listening more because God gave us two ears and one mouth. So clearly he wanted us to listen more than we spoke. So it's about listening and asking, how can I help you? What do you need? You know, get their perspective on their life instead of you trying to tell them about their life. I try to get people to, t t hey, tell me about your life. Tell me why you're here. You know, or as we used to say in treatment, what crisis brought you into treatment? Because that's also a good question, right? Because it is, it is crisis that causes change, right? If things are going okay, even keel, there's no really motivation for change. Crisis and pain and loss are the greatest motivators for change. It is not until you feel pain that you want to change. Because when the pain of where you are is greater than the fear of where you're going, you'll get up and go. But it's not until that pain, you know, think of a pendulum, right? And when the pain is weighing down more than the good times, and that could be in a relationship, it can be in a job, it can be in anything, it will hold true, that statement that the pain of where you are is greater than the fear of where you're going, you'll get up and go. Because we've all been in those situations. We've all been in situations or relationships with other people. Could be family. And you say, you know what? The pain of this relationship outweighs the good times. So I'm out. And me, myself, I've come to a point in my life where I only want to surround myself with people that have positive energy. People that are going to enhance my life. People that are going to bring me 
a message of strength and positivity. And I just want to say that I am so grateful, not only to God, but I am grateful to you. And I'm grateful to be here because every single one of you that is here is bringing so much love in this room that I can feel it so strong. So thank you. We appreciate you, man. Very good. Any final words before we wrap up? I don't want to wrap up, but... <laughs> but, um, you know, life is a funny thing. And life will throw you curveballs. Curveballs that you don't see coming. I didn't see that cancer diagnosis coming. That hit me like a train. But... I'm still here, you know, so, you know, um, don't allow fears to, to overcome you because fears come from the evil one, right? And when I pray, I also pray for protection and I pray that Satan and any evil spirit be binded by the name of Jesus Christ. Um, because fear and doubt will take you out, you know. Um, and, and I always have to reflect on that and reflect that, you know, if God is with you, who can be against you, right? There is no greater force than God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And if you're walking with him, you know, it makes me think about this meme that I saw years ago. I love memes, by the way. <laughs> and um, I think I've sent you a few, too. But, um, you know, and, and it said, you know, the, um, the devil whispered to the warrior, here comes the storm. And the warrior whispered back, I am the storm. So... You know, um, always remember that, that if you're walking with God, the Holy Spirit's going to protect you, and you have the armor of God with you. Thank you. Would you mind uh, praying for us and blessing our community? I'm sorry, say that again. Can you offer a prayer for us and Absolutely. bless us on our way out? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are so grateful for all of the blessings that you bestow upon us. Lord, we lift up this community to you right now. All those that are struggling with fear, with doubt, with family issues, with addiction, with mental health issues, with medical issues. Lord, we ask that you would bless them. Send your Holy Spirit upon them. Those struggling with faith, let your Holy Spirit do a homework in their heart, Lord. Help us to remember that together we can do all things with Christ. That alone we cannot do it. Lord, we bind Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. We command any evil spirit to flee from us. We lift up our Heartway family. 
We ask a blessing upon all those. And we make all our prayers and petitions in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the power of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.